0: Flip to Freedom, episode number 40. Hello again, this is Sean Terry from the Flip to Freedom podcast, and we are on episode number 40. Now, if you're listening for the very first time, I'd like to welcome you and let you know that I've created this podcast for you to help you escape the nine to five, fire your boss, get out of the rat race, live Freedom to go out and do what you want to do when you want to do it. Hey, if you want to go play golf today, go play golf. You want to go to the beach, go to the beach. If you want to go to Hawaii and hop on a plane, go to Hawaii and hop on the plane. That's what this podcast is about, is showing you exactly how to flip properties in your spare time, even if you have no cash, no credit, no experience. Um, I share in-depth detail on exactly how to do this. So in this particular episode, I have an awesome gentleman by the name of Jerry Norton, and uh, he is a phenomenal gentleman, and I'll get it more into exactly about him and what he does, but I can tell you in this particular podcast, he's flipping um, about 50 properties a year, averaging twenty-five to $50,000 per property. Now, that's a ton of cash coming in, and he uh, pretty much drill him. On exactly where he finds the properties, how he makes his offers, um, how he rehabs the properties because he is a fix and flipper. Now for us wholesalers, we wholesale properties. We tie them up and uh, turn around and sell them to guys like him. He's a uh, cash buyer that fix and flips properties. So you get to give a, get a good idea of exactly um, what, uh, what's going on in the mind of someone like him that is looking to purchase your properties if you're a wholesaler. So he goes out and fixes them Flips them and turns around, and sells them to a retail buyer, and uh, he makes them look nice. He puts in the you know the stainless steel uh, you know appliances, granite countertops, new kitchens, new flooring. Guts the thing down the, to uh, to the bones, and then turns around, and sells it for top dollar. And that's uh, that's what he's doing. And we we go into depth in this on exactly some uh, things that he does to go out that makes him so successful. He also talks about what his buy price is, how he determines after repair value, which is very important, um, and also how he's selling his properties in uh, 30 days or less with some uh, special tricks. Now, um, that's what this interview is about. You're going to love it. I literally drill him on uh, on uh, some great content. Uh, but before I do that, if you'd like to get more from Flip to Freedom, I wrote a 129-page book um, on exactly uh, how to go out and flip properties in your spare time, how to quit your job in 19. 19- weeks or less. It's a detailed 129 page uh, comprehensive blueprint that I've had people tell me they've spent over a thousand dollars for the same information that I'm giving away for free. Now, if you visit flip2freedom.com, you can go there and uh, and you'll see a video of me on the front page. You can enter your email address and uh, I will send you a special link uh, to where you can download this free report. So uh, definitely go there and uh, get that if you'd like. Also, I'd like to thank uh, a gentleman who actually put a Um, Review in iTunes, we've got a a ton of them actually in there, so, but, and you gotta read them, there's some great, great comments, but uh, this particular gentleman just recently posted one, and I like to acknowledge uh, that for sure, Um, and uh, he actually went into iTunes, uh, the iTunes store on his Mac or PC, uh, searched Flip2Freedom and found the podcast and actually went in and rated the podcast five stars, and he said, top-notch trainer, it says, Sean Terry gives you the tools, the inspiration, motivation to go get it. Thus, this podcast just added gallons of fuel to my already burning, blazing fire uh, to dive into the real estate industry. A must subscribe to podcast. So thank you very much uh, for doing that. Flash Beast is what his uh, code name is. So thank you very much for uh, submitting that uh, fun. Uh, review there. So uh, let's get into Jerry and who Jerry is. Jerry is a phenomenal gentleman who is 33 years old. The guy has five kids. Uh, lives in uh, inside of Michigan his main market is uh, Detroit Michigan now if you know anything about Detroit Detroit is considered a depressed market you know but he's cranking and for the past three years he's uh, done well over 200 fix and flip deals Um, and he's just uh, averaging roughly uh, about 25 to 50 thousand dollars net profit per deal now he talks about exactly how he uh, goes out and and finds the properties how he makes the offers on the properties Um, after he gets them he closes the transaction how he raises funds how he raises capital what he pays his investment partners he also talks about the rehab and what he does for the rehab now guys he does this with none of his own money he does this um, with uh, uh, money that he has raised to, to go out and do this. So this is all uh, money that has uh, th- that's not his. There's no money out of pocket. And he's turning around and doing all these deals um, and averaging about 50 homes a year, which is just absolutely phenomenal. So he tells you his secrets of rehab and what to do and how to incentivize the subs. He also talks about um, what the property t- type of condition and pricing has to be, what his purchase price uh, formula is, um, to, uh, to, uh, determine his offer that comes in. Uh, then he also talks about what the house has to look like to get it to sell in 30 days or less. And also he gives some great incentives, uh, for people to, uh, to get the property under contract. Um, and then he talks about how to manage the entire system. He literally has four properties that he's uh, either having offers in on, he's in the process of closing, then he's got four properties that are uh, in rehab, then he's got four other properties that are uh, in the process of being marketed on the market, and then he's got four offer, four properties that are in the process of being closed. Now, it doesn't work all you know like that. If anybody has been in the fix and flip business, you know it kind of fluctuates uh, up and down depending how many deals you get in at once. You might get a ton of deals all at once, uh, and then, um, then you're managing all those, and then um, you know, get them through the closing process. But uh, he pretty much tells exactly how he does it, and how uh, and how he's been very successful doing it. So enough of that jibber jabber. Let's get right into the interview with uh, the one, the only Jerry Norton, the real estate fix and flip guru, mentor, and coach. Let's get into it right now. <laughs> I have an exciting uh interview for you here today. I am actually on the phone line with a gentleman who um is just killing it in the fix and flip business right now, and i'm so excited to have him. I know his schedule has been uh crazy, and uh, to try and nail him down has been uh, has been a feat but i've uh have been wanting to talk to him. Uh, for a while now because he's been so successful in the fix and flip market which goes it ties along right into what uh, you know the wholesaling business which is great but I I have Jerry Norton on the line right now Jerry how you doing
1: I'm doing great Sean thanks for having me
0: yeah I'm excited about this call you know I've uh, I've done a lot of fix and flips myself and for this market it is definitely a science and what I have heard about you and uh, and what you've accomplished um, in you know this business of doing well well over two hundred properties since two thousand and four is just amazing. Um, so so how did you get into this whole fix and flip back in two thousand
1: and four? Well, that's uh, you know it's a, kind of an interesting way of how I got into things and, and into real estate in general, I guess. And you know at the time I was uh, in underground construction, so digging holes was kind of what I was doing and. And, uh, and I always had this dream of something better and I wanted to be a business owner. And, but yet, you know, those dreams just seemed really far out there. Right. And, and like impossible to achieve. And, uh, you know, I read this article, Sean, and and I'm sure you've heard this or read this too, and your listeners as well. It said, no other industry has created more millionaires than real estate. And so I thought to myself, man, that's it. You know, the, the odds are in my favor, right? Right. And uh, a little while after that, a friend of mine invited me to go to a wholesaling boot camp. It was a three-day boot camp on all on wholesaling. I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And I went to this, I went to this three-day event. You know, I had to borrow the money to go, and I went. And for three days, I hung out with these amazing people. I learned so much. I got excited. And, and I don't know what it was, Sean, but just something clicked in my mind. And I said, I can do this. And, uh, and so I got home. And then my first month as a wholesaler, I wholesaled six properties and made fifty-two thousand dollars. Wow! And I was sold. I mean, I was just so excited, so pumped up. And you know, from that from that month on, I became a full-time real estate investor. And you know, it's interesting because as a, as a wholesaler, I was making like three thousand on the low end, and and up to ten. I had a couple deals where I wholesaled and made like twelve, or you know, a couple a couple good ones at fifteen, that kind of thing. But typically, it was. Three to $10,000 of what I was making as a wholesaler. And, you know, doing a couple of those a month was pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm in the Detroit market, Detroit area. Right. And in and, and, and 2005, 2006, you know, the market really started to fall off, especially in my market. And we started having these out of staters come in. And even outside of the country, because of our cheap prices, right? And I'm, and I'm sure everyone's heard of, you yeah. know, Detroit, you can go buy a house for a couple grand. Yeah. Well, it's true. <laughs> So, uh, so I saw these outside investors coming in, and I thought, man, great opportunity. So I started wholesaling to these out of staters, and these were all buy and hold guys, you know. So they were, uh, they were have, they were running into this problem where they'd buy it from me, and then they were having to renovate long distance. It was real challenging for them, and I wanted to wholesale them another deal, but I couldn't until they got the last one I wholesaled them, you know, re- renovated and rented and kind of ready to go. So, by default, I said, you know what? Not only will I bring you the deal, but I'll manage the rehab for you. And I did this with the intent of, you know, speeding up the process so I could wholesale them more houses. Right. And uh, so by default, I kind of got into the rehab side. Well, a little while later, I got this brilliant idea. I said, "Why don't I buy it? Why don't I? Why don't I fix it up? Why don't I put the renter in place and a property management in place, and then sell it to these guys as like a turnkey product?" And uh, and it worked very very well. I sold uh, several hundred properties like that to. Anywhere from the US, Australia, Canada, the UK, and even Israel. And um, so it's been a great little model that I've done. Well, you know, every time I did a deal, I would say, well, how can I do this better? How can I do it faster, more efficient? And how can I make more money? Because you see, once I started doing these turnkey rentals, now I was making on average about 15 grand. You know, some of them I was making up to 20 grand per deal, right. flipping them this way. And so then, uh, you know, I, I got pretty good at it. I got the renovation side, and, and again, my, you know, if you know anything about me, I'm all about a system and procedures, and and kind of streamlining the process as much as possible. So then I had this idea. I said, man, this works pretty good with these uh, with these turnkey rentals. You know, my back end market's a little tough because I got to flip them to other investors. I said, I wonder if I went into the retail areas, you know, the nicer areas, and if I did kind of the same process but sold these to retail buyers, you know, homeowners, how would that work? So I started to play around with that a little bit, and I found that I could make twenty-five to $50,000 fixing these things up and reselling them directly to homeowners. And, guys, I've been doing that for the past couple of years. I do it right in, in my own market, a few other markets. But, I mean, I'm in Michigan, which is like the second highest, you know, unemployment. I mean, it's a horrible economy, <laughs> and yet this model is working very, very well. So I'm a, I'm a wholesaler at heart, Sean, you know, yeah. that's kind of my roots and and I never pass up a good wholesale opportunity because I'd rather make 10 now than 30 later, you know. Right. <laughs> right, but I'll tell you what, guys, I mean, if you put the right model in place, you can take it to that next level, fix it up and then sell it and you can get the big bang, the 25 to 50 granders. And I'll tell you it's uh it's been pretty it's been it's been very exciting. I've done a, I've done a couple of deals now where where i have broken past that 50 and made 75. And I've got, I've got one deal right now that I bought it for 200, put 200 into it. So it's a, it's a 6,200 square foot, uh, you know, home, a big giant home. And, uh, and I've got it under contract right now for 575. Wow. I'm just, you know, that's, I'm just thrilled about it. That's a home run in, in my mind, you know. Uh, and, and as we go through the call, if we have time, I'll, I'll share a little bit about how to really do this fix and flip niche and be successful in this market because there really is a demand for uh the type of product that I'm putting out there in every market. So it's pretty exciting, but that's kind of how I got into it and wow. where I'm yeah. at today.
0: Yeah, it's actually funny. We we were a pretty very similar paths. I um I, uh, I started myself wholesaling properties and, and uh, pretty much targeting pre-foreclosures at the time back in early 2003 um, and then uh, actually moved into the fix and flip and did a very similar um, business model where uh, uh, basically we optimized the site for the term cash flow properties and uh, and got ranked in Google at the number one and number two spot for that search term and started getting nice. leads all over the country from uh, people looking for turnkey properties. And we actually went in and bought the lower end properties. properties. Properties fixed them up, you know, to tenant ready, rented out the property and sold it. Um, to these uh, to buyers all across the uh, the country, which was unconventional uh, financing. So yeah, it's very uh, very similar. But you know you know for me, I kind of gonna get. I, I like the wholesaling game <laughs> a little bit better because there are some challenges when it comes to you know to the fix and flip. But you know it, it sounds like you have it down to a science, which is uh, and you got your systems in place, which make which make complete sense. You know so when you first got started, um, you know started you know if you go back from the very very beginning, you had the wholesale background so you are able to find these properties and and uh and you know where would you actually start looking if we, if we were going to go through from you know the very beginning you know um you know you first off you obviously got to locate the properties and um you either can do it you know through means of REOs or or short sales or you know motivated sellers and where would you target to find these specific properties um you know either now or back then
1: well, I've, I've always been very uh, MLS driven and I, I guess it's because of the market that I've primarily, you know, done my real estate career. And it's always been, I've pretty much always been in a, in a declining market or a depressed market. So, you know, when you're in that buyer's market, you know, most of the actions on that MLS. And so right away, I, I went and got my license not to be a realtor, but to have access to the MLS. And I, I primarily... I mean, most of my, I would say probably 90% of my deals have come right off the MLS, either as REOs, um, some short sales, you know, I'm looking for those motivated sellers, but it's all on the MLS, which has been very, very successful for me. Great. And, you uh, know, I'm just a big proponent of, if you're an investor, get your license, get on that MLS, because that's where you're going to see a lot of opportunities is on that MLS. Right.
0: Right. Okay, so so let's talk about that. So, um, you know, I and I've done some bank REOs and, and I um, talk a lot about you know finding properties through motivated sellers. So uh, in this current market right now, when when you um, sp- you know look within the MLS, is there a certain target that you that you um, look at? Like you know I, I've done where it's 120 days and it gets a price reduction, I get an email. Um, is it something like that? Do you do you do a specific search criteria within uh, the MLS that you're allowed to find yeah. cherry pick properties?
1: Right. So here's what I do. I got, uh, I got my key areas that I really like to focus on. And in my county, there's probably seven or eight cities that I really focus on. And for fix and flip, it's, it's absolutely crucial that you go into the right areas. And I, let me segue before answering that a little bit, Sean, because sure. cause I really need to fo- um, you know, focus on this point, is that you know, unlike wholesaling where you can go down and you can wholesale and do really well, and maybe a landlord market, or you can, you can wholesale up in the higher end markets to the fix and flip guys. You know, you kind of can pick and choose where you want to do the wholesaling and you just have to understand who you're wholesaling it to, right? Well, with fix and flip, you've got to be in those highly desirable retail areas. So I won't, I won't try to fix and flip unless I'm in a, out of a rental area. It's got to be a good retail area with good sales activity, good schools where everybody's moving wants to be, you know, those are the type of, areas that I go in to fix and flip. But what I do with my with my searches is every day I, I, have, I have my automated searches set up, and it breaks it down into the criteria I'm looking for, the city I'm looking for. I want it to show me REOs. I want it to show me short sales. And then every morning I'm looking at those searches, and then I know, you know, I pick out, okay, these are the ones I'm going after. start making offers. And then I'll do those searches again in the afternoon in case I miss something that came on, you know, after my morning search. Uh-huh. And I just really work that system, and yeah, I've got seven or eight key cities, and there isn't there isn't a, a listing on the MLS that I don't see and know about right away, and then react to quickly. Gotcha. And a lot of the deals, a lot of the deals I get, it you know, it came out at eight o'clock, and I'm out there by eight thirty, and got my offer in by eight forty-five. You know. Right. 'Cause that's how you gotta get some
0: of those deals. Absolutely. I yeah, I agree hundred percent. So 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 obviously your trick is finding is finding obviously the highly desirable area with a good schools, you know, good um you know, high demand uh retail areas. Obviously you're not gonna be trying to fix and flip in a uh in a rental uh zip code, of course, because uh you'll get hammered by the appraisal process. Okay, that's so now it. that's
1: it, the appraisal,
0: yeah. In yeah, fact it's the funny appraisal. you mentioned that
1: is uh, I tried it. I tried it once um, and learned my lesson. I, I went and I, I went into a rental area. It was still a nicer area, you know, brick brick ranches, but it was in a low income area. And I bought this thing for 15. I put 10 into it, so I'm into this thing for you know 25. Right. And I listed for sale for 55. Got a got a FHA buyer for 52, and it appraised for 30. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I know. Oh man, I wanted to cry because it's, It wasn't that there was a lack of buyers. It was there was a lack of comps because it was a low-income area. And, you know, it's funny because the biggest, the number one mistake most fix-and-flippers make, and this is, you know, for your wholesalers that are listening on the call, you know, maybe they can relate to this, is they want to go fix-and-flip and and sell retail, and they go into those low-income areas because of capital. It's like, oh, man, you know, I've got this much capital, so I'll go into this area and I'll try it over there. And, man, it doesn't matter – It doesn't matter how quickly you get a buyer or any of that. If the thing's not going to praise out, you're dead in the water. Right. Absolutely. So that's why I stay in those better areas where you've got good, you know, I'm looking for comps that are 90 days or less, um, you know, within half a mile, similar to the property. And if I can't find that, then I won't do a deal in that area.
0: Right. Very smart. Okay, so let, let's back up. Let's talk about. Okay, you you find these properties on the MLS. You see you see the search, and now a hot one comes up in an area that you want, a zip code you want, and you kind of do a quick you know MLS search for comparable sales last ninety days, similar property, same square footage, similar square footage, you know, and it fits that mold. Now let's talk about your offer. What type of offer do you make to this for uh, to this well, REO agent? Well,
1: I follow a sixty five percent formula. So I go ARV. So I figure out what's this. What's this thing worth after repairs, uh-huh. you know, and that's looking at the comps, like you just said, 90 days, half a mile, all of that. So then I figure out that ARV. I do that right from my computer because I know my areas well enough to where I just look at the comps on the MLS and I determine that number. Sure. And then I, now I need to know my repair number, right, which whether you're wholesaling or fix and flipping, you need to know that. So I have a system down where I can estimate my repairs in 15 minutes or less. In fact, uh, maybe maybe another day we can do that webinar or something because I got a really good webinar all about how to do that. But anyway, cool. so, then I, so then I take my ARV times .65 minus repairs, and then that equals my buy price. Gotcha. And obviously, you know, when we're going to make an offer, we may go in below that so we have room to counter. But uh, that's how I come up with my buy price. And if you're following that formula and you're staying out of the low-income areas, mm-hmm. you're going to make tw- – and, and you, hit, you keep your numbers, right? You hit your numbers. You're going to make twenty-five to fifty thousand on a typical deal, and on your higher-end deals, you can make a heck of a lot more than that.
0: Okay, so so let's say theoretically we have a property that's listed for one twenty-five. You do the ARV and it and, and you meet that, but do you, do you do a certain percentage below the actual list price? So it's a list price. It's it's on there. It just comes out. It's one twenty-five or whatever. Um, do you come in automatically, or it's strictly ARV driven? Um, and repairs driven determines your initial obviously offer minus a cut, you know, five to 10 percent, depending on, um, or three to five percent, or whatever uh, to be. But, but do you look at that and do you automatically go under? So if you see a one at 125, do you come in at, say, 100 or 110?
1: Well, that's a great question. So let's, I got my calculator right here. So let's say that a property comes out for 125, the list price. Right. And let's say it's distressed. It's so I do the ARV and let's say the ARV is 170. So it's worth 170. It's listed for 125. Now what I'll do is I'll take the 170, right? So 170 times 0.65. That puts me at 110 right there without even doing repairs. And it's listed for 125. So without even looking at repairs yet, I'm already 15 under. Right. Now for me, that's close enough. I'll go look at it. But let's say that I was way off. Let's say that I ran my. Let's say that my ARV was 125 and it was listed for 125. Well, one. 125 times 0.65 puts me at 81. It's listed for 125. I wouldn't go look at that because I'm so far off. I haven't even figured out repairs yet. So if repairs are 20, that puts me at 60. I'm 50% of list price. Now, what I will do that a lot of investors won't do, and Sean, I I hope everybody's listening, is I'll make an offer. I don't care how far below list price I am. I'll still make an offer. I don't care. It's just a numbers game, right? Right. So I, I make offers on everything in my market no matter how far off I am So the way, but I don't go look at it unless it's close you know fairly close. So like in this case I would say okay I, I, let's say that it needs 25 in repairs. So minus 25 that means I got to buy this thing for like 55 right solicit for 125 right So I'll go in and I'll make an offer without even looking at it 50 grand. I'll just throw in a lowball offer and what I'm looking for is a decent counter. If I get a decent counter, then I'll go look at it.
0: Gotcha. Okay, now so let's I'm talk trying about to
1: draw out that motivated seller.
0: Right, exactly. Now so let, let's talk about the offer. In, in your offering obviously cash. Cash, yep. Quick close. Quick and close. Is it? is it ten days after acceptance or
1: well if I want to go in so there's a couple strategies to go in with a really strong offer, right? Right. Obviously cash. You're gonna sure. you've gotta be cash because if you're financing contingency then you know, you're going to go overlooked by the cash offers, right? Uh, the other thing that I'll do if I really want to come in is I'll increase my EMD. You know, so instead of a $1,000, I might come in at 5000 or even 10000 mm-hmm. right? And then the other thing is is I'll waive my inspection contingency
2: yep.
1: if I need to. Now, I don't do that if I haven't looked at it, obviously, <laughs> right? right? But if I've looked at it and I feel really comfortable with the numbers, then I'll go in and I'll say I can close in 10 days. Uh, I got a $10,000 earnest money on cash, and I'll waive my inspection. And man, I've gotten some deals where I was 20, 30,000 below other offers, and I got the deal because I came in so strong with my offer
0: good that's awesome great tip now I've also seen them um, when I'm actually I'm putting in offers and stuff that banks right now are, are weird because you know let's say you have your hundred twenty-five thousand dollar house you put in your offers for say let's call it a hundred um, they'll counter at like 123 when one, you know barely coming down And then just to see how bad the person wants it. And then Uh um, what I do is I, I counter at like one Oh three and then they accept it depending on how motivated they are. But uh, they, they play that first counter challenge, I guess what you call it. (laughs) You know, have you seen that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, sometimes I'll make an offer and they'll come right back at list price. And Mm -hmm. basically what they're saying is they're saying, you know, go jump off a cliff. Right. Right. (laughs) But you know what? I, and I, I talk to so many investors and a lot of my students, and they say they just don't handle that rejection all that well. And man, I'm, I'm making, you know, 100 to 200 offers a month. It's non-emotional. Yep. If they tell me no on 100 offers, I don't care because I know that 100 month might be the one I get. So just make the offers, and, and then if they counter at really high like that, counter, counter back like you just said. Go up. You know, I like to come up incrementally and let them come down exponentially. Right. You know what I mean? And yep. it's amazing how many deals you can get if you just. I, there's something that happens, Sean, when you just get in the habit of making offers. It's like you you step into the shoes of an investor once you start doing that. And, you know, I had a student who told me once uh, recently, he said, Man, I just can't get a deal. I just can't get a deal. And I said, Well, how many offers are you making? And he said, Well, you know, last week I made four. <laughs> and it's like, Man, you got to make 25. You can't make four. <laughs>
0: Right, it's a numbers game absolutely. And now now qu- question for the wholesale uh, for for this um, th- that will kind of help the wholesalers I guess. Let's say you have a wholesaler let's say I'm a wholesaler'm in your market and I bring you a property and the property is say listed for um, one twenty five and uh, and I bring it to you say at that one ten number you'll still go through I'm, I'm assume go through your numbers of your ARV and stuff but um, do you get turned away if a wholesaler brings you a property that's listed at like that you know or or would you just you know want to make an offer on a property right in the same neighborhood?
1: So he's got it under contract for one. Yeah, he's got it under could,
0: contract, and he wants to do a quick flip for you know to you for yeah. as a buyer for one ten. You know, it's listed for one twenty five, or you know.
1: Yeah. So what, what I would do with that is I would just uh, I would run my formula. And I I ask him and say, well, what are the repairs? Now I'm going to confirm those numbers, but I want to see what he thinks they are, mm-hmm. and uh, and I can do the ARV without going out to the property because I can do that right on the MLS, right? right? I'll do my ARV. I'll run the numbers, and if he's if he's hitting my my sixty five percent formula based on just based on just what he's given me, mm-hmm. then I'll say, all right, we might have a deal. I got to go look at this thing. I got to confirm the numbers, but we might have a deal. And look, I could care less if he got it for you know 80. twenty thousand and he's yeah. bringing it to me. Whatever. Who, some people get hung up on that, but as a wholesaler, I understand what that's like. And as long as somebody brings me a deal and it fits my margins, yeah. hey, I'm. A, for it bring them i'll take as many wholesalers or bird dogs that that want to come to me bring them to me because i you know it's more eyes and ears out on the streets for me it's better for me
0: yeah, then you don't have to go through the work and making the offer and going through and dealing with the aging, going through open an escrow, and, and they have pretty much all, all the – they have it all done for you. They're just basically teeing up a deal that fits within your parameters, and you say, okay, you pull the trigger on it um, if it makes sense. Okay. All right. So yeah. so now um, you got the property. you got the thing. Now when it comes to funding, are you using hard money, private money, your own money? What are you using? All
1: right. Now that's, now that's the key with fix and flip, and that's the one – the one caveat when you go from wholesaling to the fix and flip is the capital because now you're closing on the deal, you're making improvements, and you're listing it for sale. You know, you've know, you got 120, 140 days now with capital tied up. Yep. And uh, But look, you, you know, to figure out the capital side and then go from making 5 or 10 on a deal to making 25 to 50 on a deal, it's worth figuring out how to get that capital, and it's really not as hard as people think. I mean, I used to think that was – really hard to do. How am I going to get people to give me money to do these deals? And, but it's not. It's not that hard, especially if you can show somebody, look, here's the numbers. Here's what we're going to do to the property. Here's the comps. This is a solid deal. And here's how I got started, Sean. Sure. I, I went to, when I first got started, I didn't have any money. I didn't even really know about hard money. And, uh, and, and by the way, when I got started in, in 04, 05, you know, by the time 06 came around, those hard money guys were gone. Yeah. You, you remember, they, they yeah. dried up. They all got fried, and they just weren't available. So what I did is I, I went to I went to this one guy who I thought had money and might be interested, and I said, and I got a deal. This is the key that you got to do is I went out, I made offers, I got a deal, and I went to him and I said, look, I've got this deal. Here it is. It closes in three weeks, and here's here's my rehab numbers. Here's all my comps. And, and we can make thirty thousand dollars on this deal. but I need you to put up a hundred grand. That's what I needed on that first deal. It was like 75 and 25 was the rehab. I said, I need a hundred grand. I'll do all the work. I already found the deal, I'll handle everything. you front the money, and when this thing sells, I'll give you fifty percent of the profit. Are you in? And it was amazing. He said, "This looks good. You showed, you're showing me everything here. You've done your due diligence, I'm in. And I got one guy to just kind of go. I had no experience. I, didn't, I couldn't show him a history, you know, really. And then he said, all right, I'm in. Well, I did that same thing, and I went to a couple other people. Before you know it, in six months, I had 10 guys at 50%. And, you know, Sean, I look back and I say, man, look at all that money I gave out. I gave up to these private investors. But I wasn't making any monthly payments. It was just 50% of the equity on the sale. Right. So I did that for about a year. Then I got about 10, 12, 15 guys and then what I did is I went to all of them and I said, "Look, no longer am I doing 50 percent, but I will pay you 15 percent interest only, paid monthly, because now I could float the monthly payments." Right. So, so now on that deal where I make 30, instead of giving up 15, I might pay 5,000 in interest, right? Right. So I was keeping 25 in my pocket, and uh, and and so then since then I put together this I call it my prospectus, but it's like an 80-page business plan. Right. And I sit down with a private investor, and I walk through, and I say, "Here's how your money's safe. You're the first lien holder. You know, here's how long it should take." And I kind of walk through the whole process. I show them examples now. Here's look at this deal. Look at this deal. Make them feel real comfortable, and then say, "Are you in?" And uh, you know, I remember being so intimidated to ask somebody for hundred thousand dollars. Now I'll ask somebody for a million dollars, and not even blink because it's you know, it where else sense? is somebody going? Yeah. yeah, where else is somebody going to get fifteen percent on their money, secured by real estate? You're well below. Market value on it, and so it's just—it's just a it's just habit of getting out there and asking for it. That's it.
0: Yeah, I agree 100. percent I mean, I—I I think I started the exact same way, and it, and it was where um, you know I found a great deal. I Had to have the deal first. It's very difficult to try to go talk to someone about a potential deal or a theoretical deal, but if you have a deal oh, in yeah. your hand. And you say, here, here's the numbers, here's the property. You can go look at it. Here's the deal. We got to close. And, and especially someone, you you can give them fifty percent. It might sound like a lot that you're giving away, but what happens is you're building that relationship with them for the long term, and then you can continue turning properties over and over. And then guess what? They start telling people. Now you have a success story. Now you have a guy that's that's done well. What? Which then in turn, you know, kind of spreads, and, it, and, it, and it's just getting that first person i guess to get oh, yeah. results from it and if you make 50 grand a deal well 50 grand is pretty high in the high side but let's say 30 grand you make 15 grand from it that's literally no money out of pocket there's no monthly payments yeah. so you don't have to deal hey. with 18 percent hard money or points oh or yeah you know
1: or- I'd, I'd rather i'd rather um give you 50 percent and still make 15 than sit at home on the couch and not make anything right <laughs> and you know what's funny Absolutely. too sean is uh when I first when I first did that model I, I said to myself, I said, Man, I don't want to pay fifty percent anymore. I got enough of these guys, I got enough experience now. How do I how do I switch this? And I was really worried that they wouldn't. And so when I went to all of them and I said, It's no longer fifty percent, it's fifteen percent interest only paid monthly, you know, about about half of them said, Oh, no, 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 you know, we want the fifty percent. Sure. And so you know, but 2 months later with their money sitting in their checking account at 1%, they were calling me up saying, "Hey, 15% sounds a lot better yeah. than nothing." <laughs> and they all came over. They all came over, you know? <laughs>
0: that that that's awesome all right so now you got the deal you closed on it right you got you raised your private money you closed on the deal um and uh it's the next day now you walk in the house are do you have um specific contractors where'd you find your contractors or guys you work with for a while that you trust and you've been doing a bunch of deals with or um, how do you, how do you manage the whole process and figure out repairs okay. and stuff? I mean, I, and I know you have a whole webinar on figuring out repairs and ARV and stuff. Um, but, uh, just like a quick and dirty, I guess.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to the rehab side, you know, uh, I don't have a remodeling background. I'm not a, I'm not a contractor by trade, mm-hmm. you know, but I'll tell you what, you don't need to be, all you need to know is three things when it comes to the rehab side of the business. You need to know what to look for, how much it costs to have repaired and how to hire the right person to do it. That's it, those three things. Right. Anybody can learn how to do that, right? Yep. So what I do is I don't believe in a general contractor, and, and the reason why is because there's a number of reasons why, but I want to learn each and every one of those items on a rehab. I want to know each category on a rehab and what that should cost and what those numbers are. And the reason why is because when I go look at a potential deal, I need to be able to walk through that house and I need to know, okay, here, this is how much painting costs, this is how much plumbing costs, furnace, mechanical plumbing, you know, everything, kitchens, baths, tile. And, and it, when you hire a general contractor, you don't really learn those things because he gives you one price and you don't know, okay, is that a good number? Who knows? Uh, so I use all subs, and I, and I like to have three deep on every sub. Right. So I like to have three plumbers, three painters, three of everything at any time. And, and I know those numbers. And so when, it, when I close on a deal, I mean, the dumpster shows up that day of closing, yep. the demo crews in there, and I stack these guys on top of each other, and I don't want one day to go by where something's not getting done. And you gotta, you got to keep in mind, uh, we haven't talked about this, but my model with flipping houses is I go I go high quality. So I'm putting in new kitchens, granite. When I'm done with one of my houses, it's like a new house. And the reason why I do this is because in most markets right now today, anywhere across the country – There's a shortage of that like new construction inventory. There's just nothing really like it. We got lots of short sales, we got lots of REOs, we got lots of lived in stuff. But my houses are the nicest houses in the neighborhood. And there's a buyer out there that doesn't want the short sale. He doesn't want the REO, he doesn't want to fix anything up. He wants to move in and everything be brand new. And that's the type of buyer that I target on my on my flips. So I go into these houses, and I'm doing that. I'm gutting out the kitchens and baths, putting everything in new. In a way, it's almost easier to gut the place and put everything in new than it is to leave this, leave
0: that, you know. <laughs> right, you know, and, uh, and there's yeah. two, there's two different methods, you know, when it comes to the fix and flip. And I, I know when you're you're going in and fixing and you're doing turnkey renovated properties, is you know, obviously you want to make it rent ready. You're not going to go put a whole new kitchen in. But when you're dealing with the retail buyer, I agree a thousand percent uh, because when buyers are out there and they're looking at all the available properties in this market, they can buy if the thing is priced competitively and it can be above, you know, obviously. Above, yeah. yeah it could be above that but if if you walk in and the place is mint and i'm talking mint so when you walk in the place is squeaky clean it smells good it has fresh paint it has new flooring it has new granite countertops new kitchen new stainless steel appliances people walk in there going wow especially if it's mini staged not not full furniture and stuff but um people walk in and go uh-huh. wow this place is uh is nice so, uh, so you're, you're, when you, when you deal with your construction, um, side of it, do you give any type of, I mean, do you have a general or do you just have a bunch of subs?
1: I just have a bunch of subs. Now, I got, I got, I got some help to kind of check some things because I can't run around and look at everything all the time. And, sure. you know, I typically have like 10, 15 deals going on at a time, but I keep a really tight leash on my subs. to make sure i got, you know, they're there, but I don't have a general that I hire and then he marks it, everything up 15% or whatever. Cause I just, I want to, I want to make sure that those subs are my subs, not his subs. And I can call them at any time. And, and so, you know, they give me good pricing and, and uh, you know, I'm keeping an eye on I'm making sure that the work's getting done quickly and on budget and on schedule, but you know, you, you kind of get that part of it lined up and going. And, you know, I like to put out my timeline right in the beginning and say, look, here's the timeline when everybody needs to be in here and out of here and let's keep to the schedule guys. And, You know, all my guys, they work really good together. and So if you get those right contractors, those right subs, they know what their job is. And, you know, I don't do the handyman or the, you know, jack-of-all-trades because that will take forever on your rehab. You know, I got, you know, the window guys, that's all they do is windows. The gutters, all they do is gutters. The wood floors, all they do is wood floors. So, I mean, they're in and out of there on their job in a couple days. And so you just, I keep them all. You know, right after each other, and it gets it done pretty quick.
0: So, so your um, your average turnaround on a fix and flip, you know, for let's say one hundred fifty thousand on a property, you're talking a couple of weeks.
1: Uh, well, usually it's you know thirty to sixty days on the rehab. Yep. Depending on how big the house is and how big the rehab is, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And then usually, usually I'm on the market for a couple of weeks, and I, I usually get my buyers under contract in thirty days or less. Wow. Which is saying something in today's market, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yep. And then usually it's another 30 to 45 days to close, right? Because they got to get financing. So yeah, it's usually it's usually about 120 days as, a, as an average, 140 days turnaround
0: time. Okay. per deal. So let so let's say let's say um okay so now you get in you go in you assess how much you have to do for you know your rehab and construction you do everything ultra nice um obviously because you want to you want to have a good quality product for your buyers to come in compare you know um you know obviously better than the other uh, surrounding properties um and then now you're at the end of completion and you're done um, and you are get a place all cleaned up, ready to go. When you're determining your list price um, to actually figure out, and you have, you know, you look at everything in the marketplace right there. Um, do, are, is your goal to be um, slightly higher? You know, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, and, and this is I'm asking this in a general term because I know each specific deal is different. But um, what what seems to be working for you for actually pricing compared to other properties?
1: Well, the one thing is, is, uh, is uh, every deal I look at, when I determine my ARV, I go, you know, I, I got to be really careful here because I don't want to, I don't want to go into a deal using numbers that are might be tough to hit with appraisals. Right. So I'm so I'm very realistic as to what it could sell for, mm-hmm. and if I can live with those numbers, then I do the deal. Now, when it's time to sell it, I'll I'll run my comps again and I'll I'll look at those numbers, and then I may go I may go well over you know, the actual sell price just to see if I can get more for it. Now, I realized in my mind I might have an appraisal issue if I sell it for more than it's gonna appraise for. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. So like I'll tell you I had a I had a deal that I that I uh I went into it thinking the back end number was two twenty. And this was conservative ARV number. Now I listed it and I got it sold for two forty. Huh. Right? Sweet. So twenty grand <laughs> over. Yeah. So but look at two twenty I was gonna make forty grand on this deal at two and that's at 220 i was right. gonna make 40. at 240 obviously i was gonna make you know 60. so and then i had all these appraisal issues right and i ended up getting it done at 230. i got it i got the appraisal up to two this was conventional i got the appraisal up to 230. but look you need an extra five thousand bucks <laughs> yeah so i so now i'm just fighting over extra profit on appraisals and all of that right but i went into the deal so even if it would have came in at 220 i still would have been okay I, you know but what if I would have went into the deal thinking I'm going to get 240 to make 40, right? Now I'm now I'm cutting into my margin. So I always go in with my eyes open. But then, look, my my houses are the nicest ones out there, so I never have a problem selling them at at market value or above market value. And now I just got to deal with how I get around the appraisals. But even when the appraisals ding me, I'm still making money on them. Right. So you know that's that's really how you should approach that.
0: Yeah, yeah, very smart. I uh, I agree. You know, I agree 100%. You can get a premium if your property is in mint condition. So let's talk about your actual property. Um, Do you have it staged or not staged?
1: Some of them I do. Now you mentioned stainless steel appliances. I I put stainless steel appliances in all my houses. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes I'll put the fridge in. Sometimes I won't. I just kind of I kind of play that one you know by ear. I found that with the fridge, sometimes it sells for just as well without it, so I'll try to not put it in. But I'll, put, I'll always put in the dishwasher, microwave, and stove and the stainless steel. And part of the reason for that is I want that kitchen to pop. When they yeah. walk in there and you've got those stainless steel appliances with the granite and the new kitchen cabinets, I mean, it just looks outstanding, right? Right. And Absolutely. so, it was, yeah, so I always. Great in that. the
0: pictures on the MLS, too. <laughs>
1: It looks awesome on the MLS, and you know, it's worth the. I can get everything fridge, stove, dishwasher, microwave for uh, 2600 bucks, stainless steel. Right. So I just budgeted in every deal. So, and then I decide, well, should I put the fridge in or not? But, uh, and then some of them I stage, not all of them, definitely my nicer homes, my higher end homes, I'll stage those. Uh, but like some of these cookie cutter, like thousand square foot homes that are sell for 150 you know they're pretty. They're pretty simple floor plans, and you know I don't need to stage those ones. But like uh, you know a four thousand square foot house, you know, that would really it would just look so empty without the staging. So Absolutely. that's worth the staging.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now when you obviously you're the listing agent because you're a, a real estate agent, of course, right? Um, and when you uh, so now you pick your price, you've got it staged. The place looks mint. Now you're going to list it. Do you give t- any type of incentive? To the yeah buyers agent
1: yes yeah, so here's what I do and since I'm since I am licensed for the longest time I didn't do my own listings because I I didn't want to have to manage that process mm-hmm. but recently in the past year and a half or so I, I went and got my broker's license and so now I have an agent that works for me and she does it all and I basically you know it only cost me cost me nothing to do right so right, pretty much but but for the longest time I would use a listing agent here's what I did I paid them a flat fee and I paid 1650 per listing 1650 bucks per listing perfect and uh, but and now I'm giving seen, them volume right volume.
2: yeah you did volume yeah, yeah so they'd be happy yeah
1: so th- so they're fine with it and then I would go pick the best most well recognized name out there in my market to do my listings and they would do them for 1650 because they want the volume and they want their you know think about it they got their they got their uh sign out in there all these yards they gotta they can it just helps them so much to have more exposure and then on the buy side i would i would give the buyer's agent three and a half percent i still do this i give them three and a half percent instead of three percent and i've tested this i've tested four percent you know three and a half is very motivating and then i'll give them a thousand dollar bonus if they can close in 45 days from accepted purchase agreement perfect and 45 days is plenty of time for them to get the deal done. And that keeps them motivated to get the inspection, the appraisal, all that stuff going.
0: And and very I stick to that. to so I I haven't done yeah. that. That is, that is very smart. Keep going.
1: Yeah, so if they don't if they close on day 46, they don't get it. And I'm really I tell them right up front, look, if you can't close it in 45 days, you don't get the 1000 bucks. And you know, if something comes up, I know it's not your fault, but it's not my fault either, you know. <laughs> And uh, and it keeps them working hard to get the deal closed.
0: Yeah, it keeps that carrot in front of you know in front of them for sure. So they're pushing that that person's lender. They're pushing their you know they're pushing the whole thing uh, because they want to get that bonus, of course.
1: Yeah, and I and I don't advertise it. You know, in the MLS, you can advertise that sure. on the uh, on the listing ticket and then the buyer's side. So like if they have to print up the listing for the buyer, the buyer doesn't see that. Um, right. And then we make sure they know so when they call for showings we say hey by the way did you know this is three and a half percent and a thousand dollar bonus right. you know, we want them all to know that and man i'll tell you a really funny story i had an agent call me up i put this listing out and he called me up and he says there must be an error here it says there's a three and a half percent and a thousand dollar bonus is this right i said yeah And he says oh man i got two buyers right now they're going like, can i can... <laughs> you know and he, and he ended up both his buyers got in a bidding war and ended up selling it to one of his buyers in like the first couple of days it was listed and so they're motivated
0: by that extra money. Yeah, that, I mean, a, I mean, agents work for the commission. So you know, if you dangle yeah. that carrot, and now they're pushing the thing along in the extra half percent. And then they have the bank. You know, I've seen these bank properties, the bank REO properties, offer two and a half percent. Are you kidding me? So who are they going to pr- push? You know, your property. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. It's cool. All right. So now uh, now you got the thing. You got a buyer. So now, the, now you get a contract on the property, right? Contract comes in. You look at it. it the, the numbers seem to work. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously you do your highest and best and you'll know, get all that down to the best uh, contract. What do you do to, for in your side to qualify the buyer? Because, you know, anybody can fill out an LSR yeah. and send over. What do you do to qualify them? Oh,
1: yeah. So here's what I do. Here's my standard rule when I get a when I get a buyer, especially FHA, you know, it's not so much an issue with conventional, but uh, with FHA, so I get an offer, you know, obviously they got to send me their Mm pre-approval, right? And if I can switch them over to my lender, I'll go for that every time because my lender, I know, will close the deal. They'll tell me, yeah, they can do it or, or not do it. And at least then I know I'm not doing some pie in the sky with some other lender Mm -hmm. I never heard of before. So I'll offer an incentive like, Hey, you know, I'll pay for your appraisal or, You know, I'll throw in a flat-screen TV if you switch over to my lender. And some do, but some don't. Some don't want to have their credit pulled again or they have a relationship with their lender or whatever. So if I can't get them to move over, then what I'll do is before I accept the purchase agreement, accept the offer, I'll call up the lender and I'll qualify the buyer. And here's what I do. I say, look, is this buyer fully 100% verifiably, you know, Have you pulled their credit? Have you verified their income? Do you have two years of pay stub? Do you have all of this? And if they say, well, you know, I'm still waiting on a few documents, then I will not sign that purchase agreement. I mean, I've got to – otherwise we're going to spend three weeks and find out they're not qualified, and we took the home off the market and all that,
0: you know. I, I've been down that path yeah. before. I was in escrow for 45 days on the deal, and I found out the guy only makes ten thousand a year, even though the lender was telling me, "Oh, they're golden." Da da da. I was like, "Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wanted to ring. I wanted to go ring the guy's neck.
1: Oh yeah, and and then the other thing I'll do too, Sean, is all. Uh, I won't. I won't put my property, and I have a clause in my in my purchase agreement. I won't mark the property pending, until after the appraisal and after their inspection. Ah. Smart. And I do that so that I can keep showing it, keep maybe get a backup offer. And I don't, you know, because they all have inspections, right? Yep. And I don't want them to, to back out because of an inspection. Or if the appraisal comes back too low, then, I, you know, I just, I don't want to, and I have some agents that don't like that. They kind of get on me about it. And, you know, if, if they put up a big deal, then I'll, you know, I'll mark pending or whatever, but most of them don't even notice. Right. And I'll just leave it active and keep showing it.
0: That's smart. Yeah, I haven't heard that trick before. That that's actually really smart because yeah, literally it's a it's an up in the air deal until those two things are nailed down. I mean, of course, you know. Yeah. So. So uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, so now you got your you got your uh, buyer. You go through the whole inspection stuff. They send an inspector out there. Now they got the appraisal uh, that's coming. Um, and now now first off, there, you haven't had any problem with any type of deed restriction, timelines, flip seasoning, any of that type of stuff um, on your properties because of. Uh, have, have you had any of that, any of those problems like that? that
1: well, week? you know, Fannie, Fannie Mae has their 90-day thing. But usually I can't get in and out of a deal in 90 days anyway. So, I mean, it takes 45 days just to close the deal. You know, so I, you know, I don't really have to worry about any of that. And then, you know, they changed the, the anti-flipping rule. Yep. It used to be you had to wait 90. So, you know, we're kind of past that and we're past – I get past the Fannie Mae pretty easily. So, no, I don't really run into the deed restriction thing. But, uh, you know, when it comes to appraisals, though, you know, here's what I do with appraisals. And this is, I mean, if this is so important to do, what I do is when, when it's time to get the appraisal is I notify the buyer's agent that they are not to give out the lockbox, that the appraiser is to contact the seller, me for access to the property. And the reason why I do this is I want to know when he's going there so I can meet him there. Yep. Now. When I meet him there, you know I want to make friends with him, I want to get his contact information, and then when I show up to meet with him, I come with comps. And obviously I'm going to cherry pick the comps I want him to use. And I'll tell you, that one exercise of doing the comps yep. and giving them to the appraiser, I used to think they're going to take offense at that, like I'm telling them they don't know how to do their job. Trust me, they don't take offense. You just save them a lot of work. Yep. Now, you got to make sure your comps you give them are legit, right? they got to meet yeah, his 90, guidelines. Ninety days, half a mile, all that, right? Yep, yep. But as long as they do, and you pick the ones that you like best that are going to justify your sale price or your, you know, your contract price, it, it will it will help you out tremendously. I mean, I very rarely have appraisal issues, and I know it's because I provide the comps
0: to the I, appraisers. Yeah, I agree. I started doing that when um, um, when the whole HVCC thing went down back in um, mm-hmm. was it May of two thousand? Was it ten or was that nine or well, whatever? But, uh, but that yeah. went down. But then, yeah, I'm telling you, um, it completely changes the way And what we do. We, we just pull the lockbox off the house. <laughs> I yeah. don't even want I'll it anywhere. I mean, we pull it, and you have to call for access because there is no access. But exactly, because if you build that rapport with the appraiser, you know, and you help them, I've helped them measure the house, you know, going through and doing yeah. that. And uh, I'm just talking to them, building rapport, provide the comps, before and after pictures, and a list of everything that was done, then they can. To, get exactly. to the appraiser because appraisal, I mean, because what happens is the underwriter is going to in turn, if they see a, a large lift on a house that is, you know, that was purchased at 110 and now is selling for say 185, they're going to see obviously a big lift there. So, so they're going to, the, the underwriter is going to call the appraisal and the appraiser and the appraiser is going to say, well, listen, here's the before and afters, here's everything that was done to the property and here's the, you know, the comps, it's, yeah. it's a deal, you know? and it, 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 yeah, it and, and, streamlines it
1: and you know and that's that's a really good point because uh and you know i'll tell you a little trick that i do too is you know i usually don't give them the after pictures because they're there and they're taking their own pictures and yeah, they yeah, see the yeah. after right. but on the before what i'll do is i'll give him the, my before pictures after my demo so it's it looks like a bomb went off you know the <laughs> kitchen's gutted out i mean it looks just that's crazy. horrible yeah. and then uh and then i and then i instruct him i say look would you put my list of repairs and by the way the list of repairs is like detailed as much as you can you know three pages long right <laughs> yep. So you don't just put updated electrical you put new lights new plugs new switches new GFIs new hardware I mean you just make your electrical look like yeah you know your line item everything so it looks like a lot sure. and then they'll actually put that in their in their uh, appraisal report so the underwriter can see that
0: Right that's
1: yeah, awesome. so th- those are some huge things that help your appraisal go through good.
0: Yeah, and I, I've seen people, you know, they complain and go, "Oh, I just got killed on the appraisal. And I'm just like, did you meet the guy? Did you go out there? And they're like, no, I didn't do it. That is so critical in this market, you know, to this business. So I, 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 um, I commend you for doing that because I've talked to a lot of guys and they don't do it. And uh, so you're uh, definitely – um, on the right track for that okay so now you've now we've basically went through the whole process now you've got the property sold now we just basically did one deal okay So now yeah. you're doing a lot I mean you're doing you know what 10 to 15 uh, typically in a month or five to seven a month or what do what you well
1: doing? no here's how here's how it works because obviously it's that everything's at different stages sure. right So my goal is is and this is what I call my million dollar pipeline, right So yep. I figure if you've got four deals in the purchasing stage, four in the renovating, four in the marketing, and then you close four on the sale mm-hmm. each month, Yep. then you're going to do about 50 deals a year. And if you're hitting that minimum 25 grand profit, I mean, that's a million dollar a year business. Gotcha. That's so gotcha. I figure it takes about 16 deals at different level, at different stages to hit, to sell for a month. So you kind of need to be, it's almost like buy four, sell four every month to really hit those numbers. And and I've hit those numbers consistently and then sometimes I don't hit those numbers. I mean, it all depends on, I mean you, you know how it is you, you sure. make offers and you yeah you cook, it's, you it's not
0: nothing and... science you, there's no way you're going <laughs> to yeah. have hey i've got and, and it's probably at not one time you're ever going to have four 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 it's just no you're cranking you're making offers <laughs> you're, you're fixing houses you've got deals on the market you're blowing and going but you're uh you're pushing the envelope so you know how do you manage all this i guess that's the bottom line of the uh well
1: it's been it's been a pretty high and you know it's pretty been a pretty high intense business but it is all about the system so I believe in this business, you have to be the, you know, the orchestrator of the system. Yep. So, it, I mean, I've got, I do have people in place that, that help, you know, I don't want to be licking envelopes. I don't want to be swinging a hammer, any of those kinds of things. And now I'm not being my real value for the business. So, you know, I'm very conscious of how am I spending my time. I don't overwork. I mean, I've got, I've got, you know, five kids all under the age of 10 wow. and, you know, family's important to me. So I don't, I, I, you know, my, my, for me, a long week is 40 hours. You know, so, <laughs> and in the summer, it's a lot less because I'm in Michigan and, you know, I got a ski boat and I like to do things. And yeah. so, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, it's all about managing the system and you get the right people in place, the right system. It's funny because I, I look at a guy that, that does like, a, I call him a onesie Tuesday, right? Does one or two deals a year. Yep. And without a system swinging the hammer or doing everything himself, he's doing one or two deals a year and I'm doing you know, 40, 50 deals a year for the same time. It's because I'm utilizing a system and, and the right people and all of that. So it's it's just amazing how when you when you utilize the right system, yep. how you can exponentially you know, multiply your efforts. You know right. what I mean?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, and actually, you know, talking about system, your million dollar system, um, you actually created a uh, an actual course so so people can. Um, if someone wants to learn, you know, about the fix and flip business and, and learn from an expert uh, trainer like yourself that is in the business now, and 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 the thing is, is that you know I've, I drilled you with some pretty you know timely questions that were, you know, that you uh, you answered you know right on the money. I can tell you that for someone that's in this market right now, fixing and flipping, um, and and it's and it's not something that you did ten years ago and now now you're teaching. It's something that I can tell that you're doing in this market right now which uh, you gave some phenomenal tips. But uh, for, for, for someone who's actually listening to this right now and they're, and they're thinking, you know, wow, this is unbelievable content. It's something that I would like to take my business to the next level. You actually created uh, an actual training course, didn't you, for people there? Yeah, Because right. you, you probably got asked for people going, hey, how the heck do you do what you do? And uh, and you actually put it into a training course.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's really exciting. I mean, it's, it's A to Z, everything I do. I lay it all out there and you know, you, you get, it's, it's a DVD set like five over five hours audio. There's a workbook. I've got, you know, I talked about that, um, private money prospectus. I give you, I give you mine so you can use it, you know, just a ton of stuff, all my automation tools that I use to run my business, everything that I've been able to do, you know, hundred, several hundred deals in the past couple of years, it's all right there. So yeah, I mean, I just, to me, it's worth, it's worth, I, I give my right arm (laughs) if I had this system when I first got started, because I would either have saved or made several hundred thousand dollars more had I had this when I started. So, you know, I'm partial to it, but it's, 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 what's really made me successful in this business. And like you said, you know, the one thing, and that's why I think your show you do Sean is so amazing because the one thing that everybody needs to understand is there is no push a button system that's going to make you successful. There isn't. I mean, Real estate is constantly evolving, and that's why when you when you you know for my students who buy my course, they get to come on my once a week uh, group call that we do, and we're talking about those strategies. We're talking about the changes, the market trends, because what I've found in my life and in other successful investors like you, Sean, is if you're constantly changing with the trends, those are the guys that keep making money and successful. If you cling to one little thing or one strategy and you think, okay, this is how I'm going to do it from now on, you're obsolete the next day. I mean, you've got to evolve with the market and what's working, what's not working. And that's just how you've got to do your real estate. And if you find that exciting and thrilling, then you're going to be really, really successful. And I do. I love the constant uncertainty of real estate because that's where you can go in and you can be quick to adapt and make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, it's funny I met a, uh, a successful developer. We were um actually at a town meeting for a a, a land deal we had go, um, that we're doing zoning on. And uh he's a big-time developer here and he's from uh New Jersey. And it's funny because we were talking to him outside and he goes uh, you know, so I said, "What do you think about the real estate market?" And he goes, "Oh, the real estate market, it's uh it's uh what do he say? He said it's uh ever evolving and crazy and dynamic." And he's sitting there going off about how yeah. how crazy it is because it is so dynamic. It is so yeah. fluid. There is so many different changes that you know that come along. But you know, if in in, in from talking to you, you know, you have a solid uh, core understanding of what sells in your market, and you know, it's funny because what you do in your area in Detroit there is exactly what works here in Phoenix, um, and exactly works what what works out in California. Because if you have a house that you can get at a discount, and you make it the nicest house in the block, and it's priced. Not super high, but it's priced, you know, a little bit higher than than the other junk properties that are not fixed up. There will be a buyer for that property that will come Glass in and out. buy it. You know, so I, I look at that and, and I look at what you've uh, you know you've done with your system there. Um, and for someone coming in and they're going, hey, you know, I want to learn more, you know, about the you know fix and flip business. It would be ridiculous for someone to come out and go, okay, I'm just going to go try to find a house and I'm going to try to Fix it and flip it and figure it out on the way. Wouldn't that be that'd be like I'm gonna go oh, get yeah. you know well, brain surgery from someone who you know who uh, is yeah. figuring it out. And, and
1: you know what's funny, Sean, is um, one of my biggest regrets I have right now with when I started real estate was that I didn't get a coach, you know, a mentor sooner. And I am such a big believer. I mean, I have I have three different coaches that I pay a monthly fee to in my life, different areas of my life. One of them, real estate, because I, I just once I started doing that. I saw my, I saw my success just double and triple almost overnight. Right. And I don't, it's just, so, and all along, you know, I was fighting against, you know, learning this on my own and I'd make, you know, everything that I teach in my course, I know works because I did it the wrong way and lost money. Right. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, man, how stupid was I? I should have, I should have gleaned more on others' experience and had that coach and that mentor. And you know some of my students I've seen come from very very little experience to really killing it in a short period of time, much faster than I did. Right. And it's because they're you know they they're they're getting that coaching, they're getting that system, and they're applying it. And you yeah, know, you I, I got to tell you, you know, yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying there's there is no way you can. You know, especially too in the fix and flip, and you want to raise capital, and you sit down with you know a, a private money investor, and you don't have all your ducks in a row and everything lined up. And if you mess up that first deal with that private person that you're trying to deal with to give fifty percent to, then you're done. You blew, it. Yeah, you blew. You're done. So why wouldn't you have all your everything lined up perfectly, knowing exactly how to present the deal to them, and then getting the deal done? And that will be pretty much set you up for your whole entire business. So it'd be critical. Yeah. Yeah, and you
1: know, for and for me, looking forward, you know, I'm excited about this year, and, and I'm looking at kind of you know what are my goals and so on, and and uh, it's funny because you know when you get in when you get good at doing deals, whether it's wholesaling or fix and flip or whatever your strategy is or your niche is, it's amazing what kind of opportunities start to come your way. And so I just did a deal. I wanted to share this. I just did this deal last week, uh-huh. where I had two days notice to buy out a second position in this deal, which would then control the first. And I had two days until the redemption was up. And I pulled this deal off. It was a commercial deal. And I got, offered, I got offered the very next day for a cash buyer to wholesale this deal and make $150,000. It was $150,000 more than what I bought it for from a cash buyer that could close like immediately. So I would have made $150,000 wholesaling this deal, a commercial deal. Commercial deal. And I don't even do commercial. I'm, not a, I'm a residential guy. I don't even do commercial. But, man, I, I, was, I, I know how to recognize a deal now right? from doing yeah. this.
0: Yeah, you know how to so recognize I, the deal. You know how to go in, and and then also you have the capital, you know, be, behind you, um, with your investors or yourself to go in yeah. and purchase that lien, and 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 understand that now you can control the first position. You know, yeah, that's 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 actually brilliant.
1: And, and, and here's the cool thing: I said no, I said no, <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe this. I, I, and I told my wife the other day: I said, uh, I said, I cannot believe I'm in a situation right now where I think. To not flip it and make 150000 because I think I can make a lot more with a different exit strategy. Sure. But, to have that oppor- but to have that option to say, no, I don't need to take the 150000 is such a cool place to be. Yeah. I mean, this is such a cool place to be. It's the greatest feeling ever. Well, because you know, then you're like looking the at
0: thing. maximizing the capital, and you're going to say, "Listen, 150 now, or I could stabilize the building, I can increase the rents, and I can turn around and possibly renegotiate the first down to a better interest rate, and then I can turn around and sell it for, you know, uh, a million dollar pop. You know, who knows? Whatever the values are, but
1: yeah, oh yeah. So I'm really excited about that deal, and cool. and it's commercial. It's not really my, you know, my bread and butter. Yeah, but that's what's so exciting about it.
0: Cool well i've taken up enough of your time and uh and right. for someone that wants to get more information and they want to actually uh read about jerry's system it's called fix and flip riches um and if you want to find out more about that more what he does it's actually i I've, I've i've seen through it and it's just absolutely you know cuz he like i said he knows the business inside and out and he pretty much lays everything out in the line of exactly what you need to do from step 1 from making the offers or finding the properties getting all your contract, getting raising private money all the way through to the actual close um, and then not only take it from that level but then take it to where it's the million dollar you know annual income plan that he's put together and you can go to flip the number Two freedom flip2freedom.com forward slash Jerry and uh, you can check that out that's flip2freedom.com forward slash Jerry you can read all about him you can read about what um, what he offers um, and uh, I think you'll be thoroughly impressed of what he's put together. I give him my highest recommendation, um, and uh, for someone who knows the fix and flip business, um, to getting started. So, Jerry, you have been a uh, it's been a pleasure to get to talk to you, get to know you, get to um, learn your strategies, and uh, I want to thank you so much for your time because I know you're super busy.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Sean. I can't believe an hour went by. That was a lot of fun. And, <laughs> you know, I could, I could talk about this all day with you. So, but uh, thanks for having me, and, and uh, we'll do it again.
0: All right. Well, thanks for your time, Jerry. Again, go to uh, Fix, I mean, my fault, <laughs> fliptofreedom.com forward slash Jerry. You can read all about his system. So, uh, thanks again, Jerry. Appreciate it.
1: Yep. Thank you, Sean. Talk to you
0: soon. All righty. Bye-bye. <laughs> now i hope you enjoyed that interview with jerry norton he gave away some unbelievable content on exactly how he runs his business. So again, Jerry, thank you very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. And if you do want more information about Jerry, again, you can go to flip2freedom.com forward slash Jerry, flip2freedom.com forward slash Jerry. You can read all about him, what he does, how he does it, um, and his system that he has there. All right, this is it for this episode. We will talk to you in the next episode next week. And I hope you have a great week. Take care and God bless.